This is episode 63 with Chris Ducker. This is Crowdfunding Uncut, the place where creators and entrepreneurs come to learn how to launch a successful crowdfunding campaign. Here's your host, Kirsten Ross. Hey guys, I'm currently recording this live from a Starbucks in Denver, and I've been here for about a week now. Um, I'm actually gate crashing the Digital Commerce Summit with Brian Clark, and last night I was having a couple of drinks with him and Chris Ducker. And if you're a longtime listener to the show, you're going to know that I had Chris on episode 19, um, and because I didn't find a guest for this week, actually, someone rescheduled last minute. I thought, okay, should I record an episode where I'm just riffing off random crowdfunding tips, or should I bring back an episode that is proven to be super valuable to me? And that is exactly what I've decided to do. Chris Ducker, if you are not familiar with his work, he is the author of For Virtual Freedom Book, which is a amazing resource for how you can start to find and onboard a virtual assistant, which is, um, outsourcing some of your work to the Philippines or India or um, across the world like that. And I thought like what better time to bring this back because a conversation that I consistently have with my clients is they, especially if they're new to the entrepreneur scene, uh, they try and do everything themselves. And one client in particular is balancing a crowdfunding launch with a full-time job. And he's literally trying to do all the research all the pitching, all the writing, all the everything himself. And every week I just have to remind him that there's a difference between high level tasks and things that he shouldn't be doing, especially if he's lacking in time and has a little bit of money to put into outsourcing. And so Chris Ducker, um, I'm bringing back this show and the material because he talks about this really cool concept called superhero syndrome, which is, ta-da, it's what every entrepreneur tries to do, is we try and do everything in our business because we don't know how to find leverage because we're scared of finding someone just as good as us to do the work. And so Chris actually goes through an entire process for how to identify in your business what are some of the limiting factors and what you should be outsourcing and when to know when you're falling victim to superhero syndrome and what to do about it. So I'm just really excited to bring back this episode. And um, hey guys, if you have any guests or campaigns that you would love to see on the show, or even if you have a great failure story where you had a campaign fail and then come back and had success, I want to hear your story because if I... If you think it's something newsworthy, I want to be sharing this with other people and audience members. So, um, really stoked. Enjoy this episode. And remember, Ed, if you are also in the process of planning your own crowdfunding campaign, I have a product launch checklist for crowdfunding launches available at crowdfundinguncut.com that you could just pick up for free. Uh, so, I'm going to shut up and let's get into the show. Hey, Chris, thanks so much for being on the show. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. No worries. I have to say, I want to start off the show with a confession. When I was doing research on you, uh, I was listening to a couple of episodes through the New Business Podcast, and I realized that one of your latest ones is with Michael O'Neill of Solopreneur Hour. Okay. Yeah. And Love Michael. Yeah. He's amazing. Um, I met him at an event at World Domination Summit in Portland last month, mm -hmm. and at this point, because we had scheduled our interview a few months in advance, I was like, hey, Michael, I'm having Chris Ducker on my show. And he said, okay, when you get him on your show, you need to ask him one question. Oh, gosh, here we go. <laughs> okay. But so he, this one question was, so you're a terrible blues singer. 
and how much, how much of your audience knows that you're a terrible blues singer. And I thought he was going to leave that question for me to ask. Right, right. So I had set a reminder for myself two months ago to ask you that question so that I could right. say, oh, my God, Chris Tucker is a really bad blues singer. But within the first 10 minutes of listening to your show with him, he pulls it out. He's like, so you're a terrible blues singer. <laughs> Like, there goes my intro question. Yeah, right. This whole thing came about, and incidentally, he's being facetious, the horrible person. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I, so I hold a mastermind um, conference here in the Philippines every year called Tropical Think Tank. And Michael was here as one of our speakers in, uh, for the event this year, just passed a few months ago. And um, on our last night, we hold our now very infamous white closing party where everybody has to dress in white. And uh, we dance the night away, and there's a band and great food and cocktails, and it's just an amazing end to an amazing week together. And so, you know, Michael being a drummer, um, and it's, I used to play in a band. I used to, I used to play harp, blue harp, the blues harp, and I used to um, front a soul and blues band. I was a lead singer for this whole blues band. So I, so I had a chat with the band. I said, look, we've got a great drummer here. You've got you know, you to get him up and, and, and you know, get him to do a few songs. And he crushed it he killed it and so then he comes up and says hey well you got to sing with me if i'm going to you know if i'm going to play drums so we actually ended up doing four or five songs together and everybody loved it but ever since then he's like you're an awful blues singer and i'm like yeah you're a terrible drummer you know (laughs) so it's been going back and forth for a few months now but we just believe it or not we just got digital video footage like really good quality hd footage of that jam session back from our uh, videographer. And uh, I'll have to slam some of it up on YouTube because it's great fun. You can see how much fun we're having. Yeah. So that's awesome because you are, <laughs> in fact, a great blues singer if Michael is a... Well, if Michael's saying he's a terrible drummer because he's not. Yeah. Like, I know he... No. Michael's yeah, a great drummer. I've, talented, I've, right? No, I've, I've played... You know, I've, I, I had my own band for almost six years um, and uh, I've played with bands all around the world. I mean, every major country you can think of i've sat in and i've jammed with a lot of different bands over the years and uh i can tell you right now michael o'neill is a bad ass drummer that guy can play the drums he's amazing yeah if only i had that talent yeah i'd love it i'm a frustrated musician i mean that's why i sing because i can't play any instruments i can't even <laughs> i'd love sing. to be able to play like, I don't, well we can all sing but whether anybody wants to listen to us or not is a whole different ball game. <laughs> Okay, true. Like, I limit mine to the shower. But if I had a choice of career, I would probably be, like, Taylor Swift. But that is just not an option. There you all. go. She's awesome. I like, I like a little Tay-Tay. Yeah, I know. Um, I love her. But, you know, everyone does. Yes, they <laughs> so, do. You're right. Um, yeah, so going back to... I had to bring you on the show because part of... Uh, you speak of virtual business management and you had a horrible breakdown in 2009 where you at this point were working 14 hours a day you didn't have a life you were living eating and sleeping your business and then something happened and fast forward six or seven years later to well longer to where we are today and you now run a um i'll let you fill in details, but you coach people on how to be a virtual CEO and you help give them the tools through virtual assistants to completely outsource their business. And I think it's just such a fascinating model. And I had to bring you on the show to find out what it is that, that um, inspired this change in your business. And then also to 
for people out there who are where you currently, where you are, I guess, in 2008, like what, what sort of things can you do to help them today to help make a change in their business so that they're working on it? As yeah, I mean, you know, the, the funny thing is that, you know, when I, when I hit that burnout in late 2009, you know, we had been, so we had been, let me, let me go back. Let's do the, the Wayne's world. You know, <laughs> let me go back a little bit. We had been building the business for, um, about three and a half years at that point. I'm going to say three, maybe even closer to four years at that point. We had about 130, 140 employees working for us. Um, when I say we, it's me and my wife who, who started the business, and she still is involved in the day-to-day running of it with me as well. Um, and we, you know, I was. I was working 16-hour days, six, sometimes seven days a week, like a lot of bootstrapping, you know, entrepreneurs do when they start, you know, when they start running their businesses. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did one morning. It was about, it was around the middle of December 2009. I woke up, and I physically couldn't get out of bed. Like, my body had given up on me completely. Um, went to the doctor and, uh, was, and then was sent to like a, like a weird psychotherapy sort of type of specialist or something. I can't even remember what he called himself now. Um, and, uh, bottom line was I was, I was diagnosed with acute exhaustion and acute depression all at once. So that was fun. Not only was I really, really tired, but I was really, really depressed. That Um, was fun. Yeah. It's a great way to describe that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, even though we were making good money, we were building the business well. I was obviously running myself into the ground at the time. And so I, I was actually admitted to hospital for a bit and, you know, was given, you know, pills to sleep and recoup. And I lost some weight, obviously, because nobody gains weight in hospital ever. And, um, <laughs> good, and then, right? yeah, and we, and we, you know, we came out and we said, okay, we're going to take a few days off. We've got to go somewhere. So we had a little staycation here in Cebu at the beautiful Shangri-La Resort um, right on the, on the side of the ocean here. And it's a gorgeous five-star resort. We went there, stayed there for three nights. Uh, there was no devices or laptops or anything with us. And, um, you know, we, the whole thing was, you know, what do we got to do? How can we get a handle on this thing? How can we get back to running our business instead of having our business run us? And really, when I say us, I mean, it was me, really. My wife was not in the office with me all day, every day. We have a little one. So she was obviously taking care of him for, you know, she would be in the office five or six hours a day. I would be there three times that amount on average. And so, um, yeah, we, we went into 2010 with that virtual CEO goal that so many people know about. Um, that was to basically remove myself from the business as much as possible by the end of 2010. So we broke the goal down into monthly goals. So one month it was about getting out of email hell. Uh, another month it was about removing myself from the recruitment department. Another month it would be, you know, removing myself from the marketing side of the business and so on and so on and so on and so on. By the end of the year, I'd actually hired eight people to replace me in the okay. business. Um, that's how much of a micromanager I was. And obviously we we attained the goal. We hit the goal. Uh, here, you know, you fast forward five, uh, five years later, and uh, I now only work four days a week, Monday to Thursday. I no longer work on Friday, and I haven't done for three years. Um, I work an average of six hours a day. I work out of my home office 95% of the week. I go to the office once a week for about three hours of meetings, and uh, we now have 400 people working for us. So 
it just goes to show you it, it, it's all really just comes down to ultimately a mindset shift mm-hmm. and by taking action you know in 2010 we've got to the point where we are now you know and and not just one business anymore you know three different businesses flourishing personal brand online you know speaking book deals i mean it's 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 really blown up and yes there's been times in the last five years where i've had to go in the head down mode and hustle up and do a few 10 hour days but ultimately um you know i i i've stopped myself from ever becoming the micromanaging uh overworked you know workaholic guy that i was six years ago yeah and so in 2010, when you had the one-year goal to completely become a virtual CEO, did you see an increase in your business, in your revenue that year, or did it stay the same? No, 2010 was kind of one of those kind of plateauing status quo years. We, we didn't really grow that much at all. And, I mean, looking back on it, I, you know, I don't even think we were trying to. You know, we, what we were trying to do was to keep our existing business, which we did, um, and just to get me the hell out of there <laughs> on a daily yeah, basis, really. And so that was really what it was about in 2010. Okay. Um, and so uh, 2011, we actually had a really good growth spurt. We, went, we almost doubled in 2011. 2012 was a little quiet. 2013 was a little quiet. The industry was, you know, the outsourcing and course in industry was, was taking a bit of a hit. Uh, but that, that being said, you know, with, with, those, with those years, I was then growing Virtual Star Finder, which was a business that I started in late 2010 based off of a blog comment on my blog. And that business now is a multi-six-figure business annually. Mm-hmm. So even though the, the call center and the, and the larger outsourcing side of the business was, was kind of plateauing for a couple of years, um, Virtual Star Finder was flourishing. And uh, that led to me obviously getting the book deal for Virtual Freedom, which was, you know, like rolling out a red carpet to that particular business. I mean, we, our business for VSF the virtual star finder doubled after the book came out last year. And so it's just, it's just rolled along. And now, you know, the, the call center businesses has continued to grow and, and, uh, yeah, we're very blessed, man. I mean, I, I, if I look back to where I was in December, 2009, it, it was, a, it's a whole different life I was living in terms of the way I was running my businesses. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, at, at a point before you decide to continue with your business, did you ever think of quitting or shutting down shop and trying something else? No, never, never. It never, it never, it never entered my mind to quit because we'd already done so much work. You know, we were, we were in it to win it, so to speak. And, uh, we'd already done so much work, put so many hours into it already. Quitting was never an option. It was never an option. It was just about rejigging it. You know, we, we got ourselves into a funk and, uh, it was going to be us that, that defunct ourselves, And, uh, that's exactly what we did. Yeah, I just had a conversation yesterday, actually, with Jill Stanton of Screw the 9 to 5. Oh, Jill. Yeah, I love Jill. In fact, she was, her and Josh were here in the Philippines for a little while, a couple of years ago. Um, and uh, they we spent quite a bit of time together. I love those guys. They're great. Yeah, they're amazing. Like, being fellow Canadians, of course, I had to have her on the show. you got to fly the flag. Exactly. I had to. I was like, Jill. And, uh, well, we, I mean, we, I'm, I'm practically, I mean... Well, or should I say you're practically British? Because is the Queen's head still on Canadian money? Yes, it is. There you go. It All right, so we're forever. cousins. We're we cousins. Are. We're cousins. That's good. Um, <laughs> if I try to do a British accent, though, I really butcher it. I love the way that everybody always drops the T. Whenever they say British, they always say British, British. They never do the T. I love it. British. 
sounds ridiculous if I say it. <laughs> That's okay. My, my Canadian accent is probably a lot worse, so keep going. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Just try to sound American and put an A somewhere in the sentence. You're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so with Jill, like we were just talking about um, the whole per, uh, premise of their business is they get people to shift their mindset and quit their job and start going after a purpose in their life that's usually running a business and how people overcome the urge to quit all the time. Mm. And so that was a huge topic of our conversation. And you know you're doing the right thing when no matter how grim it looks, the thought of quitting never crosses your mind. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I, love, being a, I love being an entrepreneur, man. You know, there's, there's something about being an entrepreneur and being in charge of your own domain and being the main man in what you do day to day that's just such a turn on for me. I could never, uh, I could never consider leaving that you know, to one side at all. And that was the reason why, you know, after the journey that I've been through in the last 12 years as a business owner, and particularly the last five, almost six years as somebody who's running multiple businesses and hardly even going into the office, this was, this was the, the catalyst for our mastermind community, youpreneur.com, because when I was traveling around the world speaking and everything. I would hold these one-day business events, right? And so we would meet up with like 10 or 12 people at a time, and we would mastermind together. And and I started doing it ultimately because I wanted to get closer to my blog community. And so, you know, being that I was was the one traveling around, I said, well, you know what? I'll rent a little hotel room or we'll go to this co-working space or whatever it was. And we got together and we did these mastermind sessions of 10, 12 people at a time. And there was two things that I realized by meeting up with, with like-minded entrepreneurs um, that I've never forgotten. And, and I saw it the first time. I remember explicitly thinking this to myself the first time. And then I saw it again and again and again and again. And I did about 13 or 14 of these little one-day events over the course of a few years as I was traveling around speaking. Mm-hmm. And there was two things that really stood out. And I'm sure that you can probably uh, reaffirm these. Is number one, Number one is that nobody has a monopoly on good ideas. Like nobody. I don't care how experienced you are. I don't care how much money you're making. You could put Richard Branson, Donald Trump in a room of 10 other entrepreneurs and somebody in that room is going to drop a value bomb on them that they've never heard of before because that's just the way that the entrepreneurial mind works. So that was the first thing. It was that nobody's got a a monopoly on good ideas. There was so much goodness in those sessions from everybody around the table. And the second one was that, and I didn't see this at first, but I saw it developing over the course of the day, was that by coming together like that, we were actually curing entrepreneurial loneliness because we were all lonely at some point, right, in in our pursuits uh, as business owners. And so, you know, it was about... Three years ago, I was sitting down with my with my good friend Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income, mm-hmm. and he was telling me, you know, what's you know what's next, bro? You know, what's going on next? What's what's going to be the next thing? And I was telling him about this crazy idea of trying to develop some sort of online community based around those two, you know, those two very strong observations that I've made. And he said, well, just do it. And I said, well, I've got no idea how to run a membership site or a membership community. He said, dude, and I never forget this, dude. You're the king of delegation. Like you literally wrote a book on the damn thing. Just delegate it and focus on everything else. I'm like, oh my God, I'm getting schooled here, you know? And so that's that's exactly what we did. Yeah, we we delegated out the build out of the site 
And um, now the community is up and running, and, and it's amazing. And every day I log in and I converse with our members, and the community is just bustling. And it's, this, is, this is my next 10 years. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm all in with Upreneur. I really am. So, yeah, I'm pumped. And, and, and I bring it up purely because I think it's that mindset shift that a lot of people struggle with. Like, I struggled with it in 2010, but ultimately we pushed through. And I think from one entrepreneur to a fellow entrepreneur with yourself, Kirsten, you know, it's, it's important to understand that when you're around other people that you soak it up as much as you can. You have to. I intentionally work with other entrepreneurs um, just to, it's great to work with people and other businesses to bounce ideas off of in different industries because magic always happens that way. Sure does. You're I absolutely find. right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, it's funny because when you said like, ah, oh, Pat, I don't know how to put a membership site together. Honestly, like, are you really going to go into the back of your WordPress and start coding stuff? Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, it's amazing because even what other entrepreneur friends are really amazing for is telling you what you already know, but you just need to reinforce. Yes. Yeah. In a way that, you know, you, it's so obvious to you. It's like, oh, God, now I feel stupid for not thinking about that. You know what I mean? Stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and I think, you know, that's, that, that in itself is, is a good lesson um, for anybody listening in, for you and I to to attribute just taking action to i mean you know we we have an idea a minute as entrepreneurs um and you know it's it, you can't act on all those ideas but i think you know i sat on this one for so long but then once we got the domain name upreneur.com and i was saying it every day upreneur 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 mm-hmm. the more i said it the more i converted myself into believing and not convinced because i was already convinced but i had to convert myself into the idea of of really believing that this was going to be the thing, you know, that one thing that Gary Keller in his great book talks about. Um, and, uh, yeah, once, once the wheel started turning, it was, you know, it was 180 miles an hour and man, we've, you know, we've launched and I could not be happier with it so far. It's been amazing so far. Yeah. And, um, no, it's, it's cool. I love how you're switching everything to that one brand. And mm-hmm. um, I can't imagine how much upreneur.com cost, but that's a fantastic domain. It was, I, I will be honest with you. It was purchased already. I did have to buy it from someone else. Yeah. Um, I definitely overpaid for it because, you see, domain, domain purchasing from, from you know, people that squat on domains like that, they have two options. They can either, A, build the domain out, okay, so that there's a genuine Alexa rank, there's genuine traffic, there's genuine content on there, et cetera, et cetera. Or they can just squat on the domain and just renew it every year, hoping that at some point in the future it'll pay off and somebody will you know, contact you and, and buy it. And that's exactly what happened with this one. The guy had registered it five or six years ago and never done anything with it, never, not a single ounce of, of work on it. And so knowing that um, and knowing that he sat on it for, for so long, I obviously used that in, in, the, you know, in the negotiation to bring the price down. But when I tell you he wanted $15,000, <laughs> first, first offer was $15,000 from him, I, I, you know, I, I literally replied back to the guys like, are you high right now? <laughs> I remember sending that email and thinking maybe that wasn't the best way to begin a negotiation. I don't know. Like, are you serious? You know, made it feel stupid because how many people have approached him about this domain at this point? Like maybe a handful. Exactly. Exactly. 
What? So we got him down. We we got him down a fair amount. It was it, it ended up being you know I'm not going to tell you exactly how much I paid yeah, for it, no. but it ended up being um, four figures. I can tell you that much. And uh, it was it was still more than what I wanted to pay for it. But I was so closed on the name and the idea and and everything. So I ended up ponying up for it. But there you go. Yeah. Um, when I first came up with the name of Entrepreneur Uncut, I was like, "There's no way this is going to be available for a." Because it has the word entrepreneur in it. Like, there's no chance. So I go to GoDaddy, right. and I got it for – I got uh, .com and .ca versions of it for $12. There you go. Like, Sometimes you get lucky. Like, what are the odds? But all right, I'll take it. Because like, it was just right. such a – it was a name that stuck with me. So um, I love it. I think it's a great name for a podcast. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I like it too. Um, there's the whole running joke of uh, – so circumcision – <laughs> you know, I was gonna, right. I don't think too many people are going to think that with an entrepreneurial podcast. I really don't. Yeah. Well, you'd be surprised. Like, you know, of the 10 people, uh, originally that I ran the name past 25% had said, so oh. that's the first thing that comes to my mind. I'm like, I don't care. I'm still running with it. Right. <laughs> so, um, but that brings me to, uh, my next topic, actually, I came across your work because me being a consultant, I work with freelancers and a lot of them are at a point where they need to start scaling themselves. And that's where the whole topic of virtual delegation comes in and a virtual assistant. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I didn't really have a, I knew how to do stuff from my work recruiting, but I wanted a formula. And so I just started Googling around and I came across your virtual freedom book and I really like how you've laid out the principles into 10-minute segments um, so it's easily digestible of, like, do you need a VA? What can you delegate? Right. And, and all this stuff. So I would love to, to talk about that. Like, at, at the point of an entrepreneur being super busy, when do you need help? And how do you figure out the type of help you need? Well, I think, I think overwhelm comes our way one, you know, one way or another. And I talk about this in the book and I say, you know, it's inevitable that you'll burn out at some point if you keep going on your own. If you, if you expect to be able to do everything all on your own, um, there will come a fork in the road where you will either burn out or it's time to start building a team. And so that, that's for me, that's the indicator. You know, people often ask me, you know, when do I know when's the right time to start delegating and outsourcing? And I said, well, do you feel like you've hit overwhelm already? If you do, then it's time. Uh, you know, it's as simple as that. I, I get because I'm an entrepreneur. I get it. You will want to try and do everything yourself for as long as possible. But eventually, you'll have to give up. You'll have to throw in the towel and say, I need help. And that's the time when you, when you, you know, you pull the trigger and you start outsourcing, you know, small tasks to begin with. Things like logo design or maybe some audio transcription from a podcast to turn that into an ebook, you know, I mean, a 45 minute podcast is about 6,000 words. That's a good ebook opt-in magnet right there. Um, and so, you know, these are all the little things that you can do with, with outsourcing that a lot of people don't even think about. So you take a 45 minute audio, you turn it into 6,000 words of text, you send that to a graphic designer and then boom, you've got yourself a nice ebook to either sell on your website or to give away to create a you know an email list, whatever it is. Yeah. So these are the one these are the one off tasks that you can outsource very cost effectively, 
very easily without any major amounts of you know, training involved and things like that. And once you do a certain amount of those tasks like that, you know, you'll realize that this is actually not as hard as a lot of people make it out to be. Um, <laughs> and that's when you can potentially maybe start thinking about bringing on somebody full time. And then you go from solopreneur to entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. That's the way I look at it. Like the word entrepreneur gets thrown around a lot nowadays. The entry barrier to call yourself an entrepreneur is at an all-time low because of the internet, quite frankly. Anybody can say anything they want. I'm a serial entrepreneur. Really? How many businesses have, have you got? Two. Um, well, just the one, and then we're, we're bringing out a book. That doesn't make you a serial entrepreneur. That makes you an author. You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 it gets thrown around a lot. So my definition of an entrepreneur is somebody who hires people, builds a team, and creates solutions to people's problems. That's what an entrepreneur is. Don't get any delusions of grandeur. That's what we do. We're problem solvers. That's it. That's mm-hmm. all entrepreneurs are at the end of the day. And if, we're, if, we, if we solve someone's problem well enough with a good enough uh, uh, kind of angle on affecting change in their life by solving that problem, we are blessed to be able to put a price tag on that solution and make money. It's as simple as that. And so that's the way I look at entrepreneurship anyway. It's a very watered-down, dumbed-down approach to it, but that's the way that I look at it. And so whenever I start a new business myself, I'm all about what problem are we solving here? What demographic of people are we serving? How can we make their lives better, et cetera, et cetera? And so delegating and building a team is just that natural uh, uh, evolving mentality of going from solopreneur to true entrepreneur, and that's what I'm all about. I love that stuff. Yeah, no, definitely. And so when you're just, you're in between that solopreneur and entrepreneur stage, uh, money's tight. How do you figure out what your priorities are for where you need to be spending the money? Well, I think it really comes down to looking at the tasks that you are thinking about outsourcing and then prioritizing those tasks. There's going to be certain things that you can probably still handle yourself, okay, Um, but you know, there'll be other things that you probably would struggle with. Like I often joke and say that, you know what, if you're not a graphic designer, stop messing around in Photoshop. Like it's never going to be as good (laughs) as you want it to be. You're going to end up settling and settling is a loser path to success. As far as I'm concerned, you don't settle, you make, you know, you take action and you do things right. You never settle. And so, uh, you know, hire, hire a bloody Photoshop guy, hire a graphic designer to design your logo or your ebook cover. Don't try and do that stuff yourself. So, you know, it, it really honestly just comes down to, I believe anyway, I, I believe it just comes down to, you know, figuring out the stuff that you really struggle with the most and then starting with that and then sort of working your way up the, the ladder from there. Yeah. What do you call that exercise where you break it up into three parts on a page? Thing? Okay. So that's the three lists of freedom. Yeah. And this was actually what virtual freedom the book was built on it was actually what my 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 whole virtual ceo goal was built on as well so i mentioned that exercise right at the beginning of the book and i mentioned it several times throughout the book um because it's so important it's the integral that this is it like this is the basis of the entire approach of becoming a smarter entrepreneur in my mind because you create three different columns on a piece of paper. So you draw a couple of lines down the page. You create three columns. In the first column, you write down all the things that you do every day that you hate doing. Like when you think about doing them, you, you put them off. You procrastinate all day long. But at the end of the day, 
or at the end of the week or at the end of the month, you have to do those tasks because your business demands them of you, plain and simple. So that's the first column, a list of all the things you hate doing. And then the second column is a list of all the things that you struggle doing or that you can't do. Now, this is where superhero syndrome comes in the place, which I talk about in the book where we believe we can do everything, that we're our, you know, we are our own superhero in our own universe. But in reality, we can't do everything. We're not, my, you know, we're not uh, you know, one of those um, kind of superstar uh, you know, people. I, I don't believe that one person can do anybody's job or, or everybody's job for that matter. So you know, there are things that we struggle with or things that we can't do, and that's all the stuff that you would put in, like for example, graphic design or web coding and things like that. Mm-hmm. That's the stuff that you put in that second column, the things that you, you struggle doing. And then the last column is by far the most important one. This is the one that really gets people thinking. Okay, this is the one that really changes your life, in my mind, because this is the column, this is the list of all the things that as the CEO that you are, you feel that you shouldn't actually be doing. So this gets you to think like a CEO. This gets you to think like a business owner rather than just a solopreneur. You know, I'm running the business here. What shouldn't I be doing? You know, this is this is the game changer because it truly gets you thinking at a bigger kind of blue sky type level. And you'd be amazed at the change it can make with something like this in place, because these are the things that you should, you know, number one, you actually might like doing these tasks, right? So that go back to the first list. Number two, you might actually be really, really good at doing these tasks. So that goes back to the second list. But the question, again, that you've got to ask yourself is, should I actually be doing these things day to day, week to week, month to month, quarter to quarter? Or should I palm them off to somebody else and spend more time in developing more products, more services, spending more time with my top 20% clientele, spending more time traveling to conferences to network and build more relationships? These are the things that you should be doing as the head honcho. You should not be updating your Facebook page or managing your email. You know, somebody else should be doing that for you. Yeah. Good point. Because at the end of the day, it's also energy dollars. Yes. Well, time is our most valuable commodity, mm-hmm. right? As entrepreneurs, make no mistake about that. Money will come and go. It always has, it always will. But time, once you spend or invest time, it's gone forever. So, you know, whenever you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Understand that. Every single decision that you make throughout the course of the day, that's happening. And so you've got to be very, very, very vigilant with how you manage your time and be very aware of where you're investing your time. Yeah, cannot agree more. Before we move on to the next question, I just want to take a minute and thank BackerKit for sponsoring this episode. Um, If you guys are in the middle of planning your crowdfunding campaign and you're wondering how the heck you're going to organize thousands of customer addresses, deal with surveys, color selections, sizes, upsells, all that stuff. They've made the process easy for you. And you can head over to backerkit.com. But remember, there is a link in the show notes that if you use it, it does give you 50% off of their setup fee, saving you more than $150, which is awesome. And they've helped more than 2000 project creators deliver products and digital packages to more than three and a half million backers. So they're one of the leading guys in the industry for this. Be sure to check them out. Um, so I just have a couple more questions, one which includes where can people find you for more information. Um, but if you could go back to the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey and give mm-hmm. yourself some advice, what would, that, what would one piece of advice be 
that you would give yourself? Well, I would have, I would have gotten way more active online way, way sooner. So, you know, even though we had business websites, and, you know, and I've been, you know, I've been building business websites online since the mid 90s. Okay? okay, but I was never really all about, you know, the marketing side of the internet It was like, here's our website with our pretty photos, here's our telephone number, here's our email address, you know what I mean? And so, you know, it, it really comes down to the fact that 2010, when I started blogging, podcasting, doing videos, getting active in social. If I could have started that five years earlier or, or even 10 years earlier, I mean, game changer. So that would be my biggest advice to myself, you know, in, in going into the, you know, the mid 2000s would be, dude, start blogging now, start doing, you know, podcasts now or, or video now, uh, you know, prior to, to, you know, late 2009, when we started planning the blog and things like that, prior to that, um, <laughs> you know, I would, I would be, I would be using the internet, just literally check my email mm -hmm. and watch silly cat videos on YouTube. I mean, literally that was what I was using the internet for, but now it's a whole different ball game. Content marketing is my number one focus as, as the owner of my businesses. Mm -hmm. I am no longer involved in the day-to-day -day running of my businesses. I've outsourced and delegated that out to my management team. And I'm now the marketing engine behind, uh, you know, the, the businesses. And, and now obviously with Upreneur up and running, that's, uh, you know, that's a major focus for me every day as well. But yeah, I'm, I'm all about creating content and uh, getting out there and letting people find out about me and what I, what I do as a business owner so that they can go ahead and be better at what they do as a business owner themselves. Fantastic. And I know you have a couple of websites, but if you could send people to one site to get more information about you, which one would that be? Uh, my blog, chrisducker.com. You know, that's my hub. That's okay. my online hub. Everything else that we do is based around chrisducker.com. And uh, so that would be the, the one spot. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Uh, I know you're in the Philippines. It's getting a little cold here in Canada, but, you know. <laughs> it's going to start getting do? cold there soon, huh? It's going to start getting cold. Yeah. Can't win. Well, I need, I'm going I'll down south in a couple it. weeks, so. I'll, I'll think about it when I'm, when I'm out and about. But that being said, I'm about to start traveling now in the UK and US, so I know it's going to be a bit cold for me in the next couple of months as well. So you won't be alone. And rainy. Yay. Yes. And drizzly. Drizzle. Drizzle. Uh. We, we don't call rain rain in England. We call it drizzle. Oh, it's drizzling outside. Or my mum used to say, my mum used to say, don't go out. Why not? Because it, it started to spit outside. <laughs> spit? What? Good gosh. Irish people. What are you going to do? <laughs> well, we say that here too, but in Canada. Oh, you do? It's, yeah, it's a little, um, we get more variety of, um, of rain. Like if it's spitting, it's, it's trying, but nothing's really happening. Right. And then you get downpour, which is just torrential right. Um, but England, like it tries to rain, but it's just a yeah. constant thing throughout the day as opposed to like, I just wish it would make up its mind and, and rain yeah. and then stop. But yeah, exactly. Give us three hours of hardcore heavy rain and then shut up for the next 48 hours. Thank you. No. You know, that, that would be great. That yeah. It just, it, it, it just goes on and on and on. But I love, you know, what I, I, I want to say though, you know, we beat up England a little bit, but I love England. Like I'm a very, very proud Brit and I miss my hometown. I miss London very, very much. And whenever I'm back in England, I'm sure this trip coming up in a, in a, in a couple of weeks from now will be identical. 
you know, I, I slip right back in the London mode. I start talking like that, and I'm a right old Londoner, mate. I Your will Cockney go proper. Accent. I go, oh, yeah, I go right like that, I do. Like, within a couple of weeks, I'll be talking like this. Or I'll be calling everybody governor and uh, mate oh, no, and all that don't. sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it, it's terrible. I slip right back into it. And then I, you know, and then I remember the money that my parents spent on my education and I start talking a little bit more like Hugh Grant and no, 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 and start stuttering and things like that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's the, the thing with the UK is you have so many accents in such a small I know. area. Right, yeah. You yeah. go up to Manchester and you have the uh, Mancunian accent and oh, yeah. there yeah. you go. I'm butchering it again, but stuff. you get it. There you go. I got it. Well, it was a pleasure to be on the show, Kirsten, really. Thank you so much for inviting me. It, really, it was a lot of fun chatting with you. Pleasure's all mine. If you are in the middle of planning for your crowdfunding project, be sure to head over to crowdfundinguncut.com where you can grab our free product launch checklist. It's a full play-by-play of what you do from six months before you launch right up until after you launch. And it's been the framework um, that I've created from launching three mega successful campaigns that have grossed over uh, $300,000 each. So definitely crowdfundinguncut.com. And the link for that is in the show notes. And we will see you guys next time. Love you. Appreciate you. And thanks for sharing the show if you find it valuable. Are you launching a product on either Kickstarter or Shopify and you're feeling completely overwhelmed with the process? Hi there. My name is Kirsten, the CEO of Launch and Scale. To date, we've helped several online sellers sell millions of dollars online and scale their business from zero to seven figures by focusing on building an audience of fans that will actually convert into paying customers. If you're serious about building a seven-figure e-commerce brand with less time and less risk, you should check out our product launch pad. PLP is a proven accelerator that takes you step-by-step through the process of launching and scaling your product brand. Brands like the Monk Manual, Aberlite, Series Chill, Jamstack, and several others were all launched using our product launch pad. So if you'd like to be our next success story, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more. And for a limited time, we're offering a seven-day trial of the product launch pad for only $1. Again, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more.